What's up, world? One way that you can support the show is by liking and subscribing on any platform you're listening to. And don't forget to check out our Clips channel on YouTube. Thank you for supporting the show. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. Good. <laughs> How are you, Willie? I'm good. I wanted to get with you here. Yeah. Talk about some stuff. It's good to be here. Yeah. It feels like it's been a sec. Has it been a minute? No. Uh, about a week. Maybe I'm just uh, getting used to this new format. Yeah. It, it is... You feel, take you feel some so ad- far away. Take some adjusting, and again, you know, we'll get used to it. Maybe you could meet me halfway. There you go. I like that. <laughs> that feels right. Yeah, we got a uh, really interesting topic today. We're going to talk about amends. Yeah, making amends. What are amends? How to do amends? What we've learned from amends? You know. Feel like it's an important topic in the recovery movement. I think it's worth talking about. So there you go. Yeah, I like it. I, yeah. I, I'm really excited to talk about amends. Um, I, 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 I wonder too when you mentioned it if it was because it's October that you decided you wanted to do. I mean September that you decided you wanted to do amends. Oh, month nine maybe. Yeah. A lot of times. A lot of times. They'll do that, right? A lot of people in the recovery movement will work on a step a month right? throughout and, the year. And it coincides with whatever month yeah. it is. Step it correlates nine. to the step. Step nine in Alcoholics Anonymous is, is make amends wherever possible, except when to do so and injure others. But, you know, amends is by no means, uh, you know, like AA doesn't have the monopoly on making amends. And that's not always like recovery in itself isn't isn't the only place that amends needs to be made you know i think it's so important to clean up the wreckage of your past the, the past behaviors as you move forward in this new way of living you know for some of us we get so sick of of fucking living with ourselves and the selfishness that comes along with the disease of alcoholism or the the trials of self you know mm-hmm. trying to find that happiness through self uh you know, self, uh, selfish desires and just taking everything, grabbing as much shit as you can. A lot of people get hurt in the, in the, in the process of trying to do that stuff. And it gets to a point where, you know, for some of us, we've stopped those behaviors and there's a lot of wreckage that goes along with those type of behaviors. And there's some amends that need to be made. And, and a lot of times, you know, the amends isn't always for the other person. You know, a lot of times the amends isn't received from the other person. They tell you to go fuck yourself, right? right? The shit you pulled, you can go fucking jump off a cliff, mm-hmm. right? But uh, for me, you know, what I found was that the old behaviors stuck with me until I started admitting them to the people that I did them to, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And as I started to admit that stuff, then then it kind of loved 
like it lost its grasp on my spirit or my psyche, if you will. So sure. Amends are definitely important. Um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of courage to admit your wrongs and walk through that stuff and get to the other yeah, side well, of it for it, sure. It definitely tests your resolve, right? Sure. Like you, you really have to be in a place spiritually where you're, where you're comfortable with, with how things are and, and maybe living a new way of life or, or you're committed to change because saying I'm sorry and then repeating the behavior is pointless. <laughs> that just proves that you're fucking sorry, right? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're goddamn right, you're sorry. Right. But, you know, which is why, like, in, in AA or in a 12-step community, they tell you not to rush out and make those amends. Like, yeah, you know, there's a reason why it's step nine. Yeah. And there's eight steps in front of it, you know. Like, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it, you know, talks about how you want to make sure you have a solid footing and that you're living this way of life for sure. you know, a good period of time before you go out and make those amends. And, and the reason for that is that you don't, you don't want to go say sorry to somebody and then fall right back into that same behavior. Yeah. You know? yeah or not mean it, you know, feel, right. I feel like, you know, how many times as, as a child did, did a, a loving caretaker tell you, now say you're sorry. Right. Yeah. Well, fuck, I'm not though. Yeah. You know, and how many times do we have to do that shit? But it, it takes an awful lot of pain to get to a point where you're willing to make an amends for real, you know, mm-hmm. to, to have that type of empathy. And, and you know, I, I certainly, I know that uh, making amends for me was definitely a process, but it, it came universally and it came really organically as I got out of my own way and was able to work a program and work a process that, that put me in a position where I was showing myself on a daily basis that I meant this new way of life, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. by staying sober, you know, working on myself, working on honesty, working on not going back to old behaviors. As I worked on this stuff and I, I took a look at my life, like things started popping up where I recognized that there were some wrongs that I did selfishly, you know, stealing Right. manipulating people, um, using my ego, strong arming people, you know, just taking stuff physically, uh, scaring people, um, running through my community, hurting animals, you know, animals were on my amends list because I was, you know, I was, I was fucking mean to animals mm-hmm. my whole life. Like I was a fucking bully. I had to, you know, and, and financial amends. I had to right. fucking look at the financial wreckage of my past through credit and borrowing money and jumping out on, on fucking leases and doing payday loans and doctor hop and all the things that went along with my disease, you know? And, and so organizing all that stuff and getting to a point where I could go about it su- successfully and go about it meaning, meaningfully took a little bit of time. Well, yeah. and it's not comfortable either. Like to, uh, to revisit any of that stuff or hash out like those, those, those parts of us that, that we wish weren't there is not a comfortable or easy thing to do, mm-hmm. but it's necessary. And, and, you know, and that's why there's step eight that comes before step nine, which is make a list of all those people. Right. right? So that's, that's the first thing we have to do is figure out who these people are. Yeah. And they're not always necessarily people. They can be institutions. They can be, like you said, you had animals, right? People, places, and things that, that are on our list that we need to make amends to. But mm-hmm. like, the, the value that comes from it 
regardless as to how uncomfortable it is, becomes worth it. And, yeah. You know, I, I sit here and I think about like one specific amend that I had to make was was to my father because <clears throat> I my, my claim to fame was that I never borrowed money for drugs. I borrowed money from my dad all the time because I would spend my own money on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would need his money to pay rent. You okay. Know? Yeah. Or, on, honor amongst thieves. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I go, I go to pay my dad back and, and, uh, you know, he accepted some of it. And then after a while he, he started saying, you don't have to pay me back. You don't have to pay me back. Sure. And it was, and it was then like where it's like, okay, how committed to this way of life am I? Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm committed enough that I'm going to, Tell my dad, who who feels like I no longer need to make this restitution to him. I'm going to tell my dad, I need to pay you this money. Yeah, like it's I I, I get that you don't need the money, but I need to pay mm-hmm. it for me. And, yeah, you know, and so I did, and it's just the the growth that you know I got so much for that money. You know, sure. I, I, the the value that I got for that money is is priceless. Yeah. So there, there's something about making amends for those past mistakes that, that, is, that is so worth any discomfort that comes from it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to hear some of your amends. Yeah. Do you have any specific I, oh amends man. that... So many. Yeah. <laughs> so many amends. I feel like I have a lot too, but I'd, I'd love to hear so, some of yours. You know, it, well, it led up to, right? Like... Like we get so we get so lost in addiction that I got to a point in my life where I just ran around feeling ashamed all the time, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and, the, sure. and the reason that I felt that way is because I had harmed so many people that loved me. You know, um, growing up in gangs and and being on the street, there was this this mentality that I thought everybody was living but me, right? Because I had so many secrets, like not even the people closest to me knew all the things that I was doing, right? Like, like I would, I would, I would steal from my parents and then go over to my friend's house with that money and, um, buy dope or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I didn't tell them that I stole this from my mom. Right. Because they didn't know where the money was. It would be frowned upon. And they didn't want to know. Well, they could have asked you. (laughs) They could, they, and they may have, but I, I would have lied about it, right? Because I would have talked shit to somebody, been like, you stole from your fucking mom, what's the matter with you, you know? But I was that guy, I, I lived a double life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I was so disconnected from self that I did anything I could to try to, to, to create something that I thought was going to make me fulfilled, you know? Um, and so my, my amends, a lot of them, the, the dysfunction started way back when I was a child, you know, my entire life I had dysfunctional relationships with the people that loved me. And so, uh, as they love me and as I destroy myself in that in itself is a recipe for amends, right? Um, anytime that I, uh, undermine or, or disvalue somebody's love for me and I harm myself or them, you know, that's a recipe for amends, you know? And so, uh, the, the biggest one I went through and I, I did the the steps with a sponsor 
And uh, as as I approach step nine, you know, because because in 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 the twelve step movement, you know, like step one, two, and three, everybody's like, oh fucking no problem, right? right? Like like we get through that shit. I already believed in God and, and all these things. You know, it's so common. The longer you're here, the more common you see this oh, yeah. this pattern through step work, and everybody's afraid of step four. You know this this moral inventory which turned out to be the fucking gangsterous step like i love i love taking my own inventory now like fucking look at yourself you motherfucker like look and and find out where you need work you know and and then you get through those and you start letting you know you admit that stuff to another person and then go through step six and seven where you're working on your defects and Mm -hmm. and and that stuff and then you make the amends list Right. And and that's really, like you said, the start of it. And so for me, when when I started that list, I had to just put it on paper. Right. Because the mind is going to be like, well, do I really owe that amends? Right. You know, but but it goes. What about what they did to me? Yeah, exactly. Or or or, they don't really know. Right. Yeah. How is how is me admitting this going to make their lives better? Right. This is just going to fuck me up. But but if if you're sincere about this way of life, like I am sincere about this way of life, you put it down. Mm -hmm. Right. The problem is the hardest part is like we've been so conditioned to not trust ourselves. Right. So conditioned from day one. Don't fucking trust yourself. And so when my conscience would, would pop up and be like, put this person down, there would be a whole bunch of negotiation about putting that person down like, mm-hmm. or, or that institution or that, that religious affiliation or, or whatever it was, you know, like, ah, do I, do I really need to put that on paper? Do I really need to, is that really something I need to make amends for? And there'd be a lot of fucking negotiating. Eventually it would go down. But when it was all said and done, I had the list. Right. And, one of them was was the financial part, mm-hmm. right? And so, when I went in to make my financial amends, um, what ended up happening, because that's one that a lot of people don't look at as as an amends, but you will not be free from negative self until you are free financially in your past debts. Like like financial debt is spiritual debt. It it is period. Mm-hmm. Like and. Um, if you don't make the amends for that stuff, it will always be a black cloud over the top of you. Now, I am by no means a financial guru or a fucking entrepreneur money-making motherfucker. I don't have any answers as far as money goes. I work for my money. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> so before I worked for my money, I sold dope or stole for my money or whatever. But I I racked up quite the fucking debt. Sure. You know? I, I, yeah, me too. I came up in the oil field. Um, where I was making great money, you know, just an insane amount of money working six, seven months a year. I was making, you know, several thousands of dollars every two weeks and just fucking, I didn't really have, because I started doing drugs so young, I didn't really use credit or anything until I started in that industry. Right. And so everything was kind of bought and sold with cash until I started in the oil field. Mm-hmm. And then I started learning about banks and I started doing that kind of shit. And, and so I used my lack of credit to get the truck 
to get sure. the Denali. You know, I had a I had a fucking GMC Denali. I had a fucking I had I had a nice Ram fifteen hundred. Both got repoed eventually. Of course, right? <laughs> fucking uh, every lease that I had signed for a place that I lived, I'd either skip out on or disappear on or go to jail on. Mm. Right, and those were all things that went to the credit union, cell phones, payday loans, and then on top of that, once once I learned about how to use doctors with my oil filled insurance, right, hospitals, doctors visits, mm. unpaid un, unpaid medical debt, sure. So all that stuff acquired over over the course of those years, right, and it ended up being quite a bit of money. It sounds quite a bit, of money. and yeah, <laughs> so. I, uh, I went through the process and, and what happened was, it was, I got out of jail that last time and, and I went to work for this guy and I was making $9 an hour pushing a broom and, and learning what ended up being my career now, which is in construction. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, a professional construction guy. You could call me. Is that what, is that on your business card? <laughs> yeah. I, I do professional construction and, uh, PCG. Yeah. And, uh, so like I went and got a bank account. Okay. And, and people that like, like when I got out of jail and, and I, I left the oil field and I got really sick into my disease, I fell off, I fell off the grid, like no more bank accounts, no more cell phones, no more of that shit, you know, just living off of cash and donations from churches and, and borrowing money from family and that lifestyle, you know? And so, uh, I ended up getting a bank account for the first time in, a, in several years. Well, as soon as I got a bank account, the creditors found me. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, there he is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the first time they uh, garnished my check on a $9 an hour check, I shit my pants. <laughs> and so I had to get honest about where I was at. And I had to go through and I had to do all the steps leading up to a bankruptcy. And so what that was, was I had to look at everything I owed and mm -hmm. with the cars and the medical and everything, it was $96,000 and I was 33 years old. That's chunk. It seemed like it. It is. It, it still like is. It. And so, uh, I filed bankruptcy and, and I, I paid with my taxes and then I found a company that would finance my bankruptcy lawyer. And so I had to make payments on that. And then I had to make payments on some other stuff that wasn't that I couldn't file on that bankruptcy. Right. But it was very humbling because what came out of that was like, there's a, there's a financial guru out there. His name's Dave Ramsey. And we took his course on budgeting right. on, on budgeting. You know, me and Avery took his course on how to budget and how to plan, how to, how to, how to, you know, use your money for, for other stuff, however little, how to save, you know, what money does in the community, how it, how it's earned, because none of that stuff I was ever taught. Mm -hmm. I was never taught anything about money or finances. You know, it was always kind of like you work paycheck to paycheck. And, and so by, by going through the motions of that financial amends, I was able to learn how money works, right? How finances work how you can use them to, to become more spiritually sound, mm -hmm. how to become more free, how to look the world a little bit square in the eye. And, and 
what's come out of that is like eventually I became the guy with extra money, Mm -hmm. you know, zero debt, extra money, all that stuff, because I never want to go back to that place. Right. But I had to face it. I had to face it. Um, Like I said, financial, um, financial debt is spiritual debt. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, it's funny because like as you as you talk about it and you talk about what you were able to learn through that process, it makes me realize just how sort of childlike we can be in the first in the first little bit of our recovery, mm-hmm. right? Like how how we're, we're we're learning new things, like we're learning how to deal with things without the the negative behavior or the survival patterns that we picked up how to how to deal with all these things in a new way i mean for me it was like how to interact with people socially Mm -hmm. you know like i didn't know how to do any of that without drinking and and there was definitely like i didn't know i didn't know how to save money (laughs) i didn't know how to like responsibly you know take care of that debt or manage debt or any of that stuff. And so it, it does just really sort of, you know, it, it, it gives us more reasons to do the things that we do. Like that's the reason why we do these amends is because we need to learn how to own our shit. Yeah. And just our shit, right? Like that's our shit. That's the whole goal is like, you hear it said all the time, like we need to clean up our side of the street, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's been plenty of amends where it's like, you know, I've, I've had to think like, well, wait a minute. Like I'm not completely in the wrong here. Like that person, that person did this to me, which is why I did this or, you know, whatever, like however you want to justify sure. it. Right. And that's why we go through this process of like, the first thing I need to do is just make a list, make a list. It's all I need to do. I'm just make a list Trust of all yourself. those people I've, I've wronged, you know, Trust and I, yourself. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but my sponsor, you know, so you make three columns, right? Okay. You make a list of the the people that you know you've hurt, that you're willing to make amends to right away, people that you might be willing to make amends to, and then people that you're not willing to make amends to. Okay. And then you you keep revisiting that, right? <laughs> and the goal is to hopefully have all those people, you know, in the willing to make amends column to. Column A. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, I had some people in all three columns and, and, and some of them like, and, and let me just say right now, like, I think it's important to like with this, with this process, with some specific amends that you don't do it by yourself. Right. Yeah. It helps to have a team, right. To have a team, to have a sponsor, to have somebody that you can at least bounce these things off of like, Hey, this is, this is my part in this. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the best way to make amends or how to move forward, you know. Um, but as I became more and more willing to, you know, to look at these things and see my part in in what happened or what occurred and what exactly I need to make amends for, like all of a sudden I've, I've just learned how to, you know, how to be humble mm-hmm. and how to... Uh, how to grow from a negative experience, right? And so, I mean, there's there's all these things that we get from these processes, including making amends, that 
I don't know, we have to pick up somewhere in life because they're, they're not taught to us. Like they're not things that we, we, we learn necessarily like coming out of the womb. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't know, like it, it just baffles me sometimes or I, I love to think about, or I'm fascinated by the fact that, you know, like all, all these things, these steps that we take are all sort of ways for us to continue to grow and learn. And, and, you know, like I dare say now, like I'm so, I'm so much better at looking at situations now and really like understanding exactly like what my part is and what, right. what occurred, you know, yeah. say, okay, you know what? Like I actually do, there, there is, there is something I, I need to own in this situation, Yeah, you know, and I, I need to make amends for, her, you know, and, and luckily like with with where we get to in that process, like that's what we do. Like we make amends on a daily basis, right? We yeah. admitted when we were wrong or like we, we promptly admit when we were wrong. What's, how's it go? I'm not saying it right. We, for, for what? The step? The step 11. Step 11. Continue to take personal inventory. More 10. More. Oh, continue to take personal inventory. And when, and when we're, we're wrong, wrong, promptly admit it. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah, like now that's what we get to do on a daily basis. We right. get to like look at our, our, our situations and, and, and what we're dealing with and, and make amends like on the spot if mm -hmm. necessary. Being accountable for our behavior. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So yeah, I'm yeah. Just grateful for that. For sure. And the, and the payoff is, is tenfold. Like the payoff has been so incredibly amazing, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, we, we, I touched a little bit on financial amends and I, I, I could go on an entire podcast of what I could do an entire show of what my financial life looks like then and what it looks like now. Right. Right. But like, let me just say like, you would not believe where I am at and what my life looks like compared to what it could have looked like, you know, by, by just doing that one step. And then, move into relationships, right? Like, like I brought up animals for whatever reason, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a place where hunting was very, very common, mm -hmm. right? I grew up in a trailer park where, uh, it, it was really not uncommon to see abused animals or to abuse animals, you know, like, like there was so many people that just kicked the dog, you know, and, and I see it so fucking different now. You know, and, and I feel so bad for some of the abuse and some of the killing that I did as a kid. But there was there was a particular incident where we were hunting. OK, we were just out rabbit hunting, which is really common in Wyoming. And we were just out shooting varmints. Well, I seen this badger and she was she was off and she had her like whole um, like the, the whole side of this fucking hill was dug out. I've never forgotten it and I've never forgotten the way that it made me feel, but it changed me. And and. She had her whole thing done and, and like I raised my gun and, and I fired off one shot and she fell dead. Right. And in that instant, in that instant, I had never felt more terrible hmm. in my life. Right. And I thought, why the fuck did I just shoot that badger? You know, and all these scenarios started run through my head. Like she probably had babies sure. and now they're all going to die. And like, I can't get to it. So I can't get the fur. We're not going to eat it. Like everything, everything in my life changed. 
And it was several, several years before I did this amends, but I had never forgotten that moment, mm -hmm. that unnecessary uh, willingness to take a life, right? Even, even an animal. And that's kind of the way that I see it now, which is so different than it was back then. But um, when, I, when I got to this step, I'd recognized the way that I was very abusive towards every living thing, right? I would kick the heads off of fucking flowers, you know, I would fucking burn shit unnecessarily. I was mean to people. I would go get in fights and I carried weapons everywhere that I went. Like nothing was safe from, from me, mm -hmm. nothing. And for me to take the initiative to understand that I harmed everything in my way selfishly and that I don't get to do that anymore. I don't get to do that anymore to the point where now I don't even like to fish. <laughs> huh, interesting. <laughs> like, Hey, you remember you went fishing the other day yeah. and I asked how you felt about it. It's because the last time I went fishing was on my walkabout and I didn't take hardly any food, but I took a fishing pole and was just planning on fishing. Well, I caught a fish and I just felt fucking bad for the fish. Like poor, you know, the fish is just out there swimming along, sees a worm, fucking wham, gets a hook through its mouth and now I'm fucking dragging it on shore, beating it to death and cooking it and like the whole thing was just so fucking violent and, and I'm, I'm i'm like not there anymore you know like I, I'm, at, I'm at a place where i appreciate all life and i i don't need to kill my own shit for food anymore mm -hmm. I, i'm by no means a vegan or anything like that but for me to harm another thing is so counterproductive to myself that i just find it unnecessary now and so very buddhist of you <laughs> maybe it makes me feel better sure you know i, I get that uh, and so because i have a symbiotic relationship with everything that i didn't understand and that, that i still don't fully understand but mm -hmm. i have to do this living amends that we were talking about before the show i, I make my amends by the way that i live right you right. know i have to i have to live this certain way to 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 connect one amend with myself the inner child or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. you know that that inside person that i've harmed my entire life through my mm -hmm. ego through my fear through dysfunction through self-mutilation all those things i have to make amends to that too because all those debts are spiritual debts and spiritual debt leads to darkness and darkness is the path to the dark side <laughs> like like all 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 that all that kind of stuff, you know, and there is a, I think there is a process and, um, you'll find that as you make these amends, they're generally well received. Like generally. I can, I cannot get a fucking, I cannot get a dog to, doesn't matter who the, the dog could hate everybody. I can't get a dog to not love me. <laughs> <laughs> they will not leave. Right. Like, like animals will not leave me alone. Because they know that no, I, I maybe like like they can sense that there's nothing they can do that would make me harm them. That they're safe. They're safe. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the amends that I'm willing to make. Mm -hmm. Well, I really like you, you. You touch on there like living amends and and uh, and and amends to ourselves, and I think that you know there. The, the amends to myself are living amends and like a, and and let me just clarify like living amends are basically like a new way of of living our life that is so different 
from from how we used to live, right? That it can only be it can only be quantified in such a way that I'm I'm doing this to treat myself better, or because I'm I'm now um, a much better person than I used to be. And so everything I do is a demonstration to myself that I'm sincere about this way of life. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Very well said. And so, um, you know, when we, when we talk about living amends, like I, I think of a few things like one, one of the things that, uh, that I, that I think my sponsor brought up to me, um, want to say it was like mother's day or father's day i can't specifically remember which one it was because i think we we revisited the same thing for for both of those instances but it was it was um the idea that we make amends to our our parents right mm-hmm. and and granted like i had i just talked about like making financial amends to my my dad and i had financial amends that i had to make to my mother as well but what what I was able to do for my parents like this far down the road where all those sort of amends have been addressed and taken care of is is to now absolve them from any responsibility, right? It it is not their fault that this happened to me. Right. That that I turned out to be this way or that I had to go through that part of my life because as a parent I'm sure that it was really easy for them to say this is because of me this is because of something I did so for me to to tell these parents you know my mom and my dad like this is everything that happened with me is not your fault and and I want you to know that the way I'm going to choose to live the rest of my life is in such a way that you'll no longer have to worry about me. Ooh. Like you did. Yeah. You know, and and to do that for my parents was probably more what a gift. Powerful than any sort of financial amends I could have I've could have given them. And and so those are the living amends that I make each day. I I choose to live this way of life. So, because first of all, I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. And because second of all, like I've already put those people who care and love about me through enough hell. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And I shouldn't do it anymore. And so I'm going to be my best me so that they know that not only do they not have to worry about me, but they can count on me. They can rely on me. They can come to me for advice and they might even want to take some of the advice I have to offer. Like, and that was definitely not how things used to be. Yeah. Right. Like it used to be just so different and it could be again, you know, if I, if I choose to give into those, that, that particular part of myself, you know? So yeah, that, that, that living amends with our loved ones, man, I'm getting a little bit choked up thinking about a couple you know, because I was such a fuck, mm-hmm. you know, just such a fuck, man. You know, my brother in particular, I have one brother and, uh, 
he did. I think he did the best he could with me, you know. But I was I was a tough o- older brother, right? One older brother. Older yeah, brother. I'm the I'm the youngest. I was such a little fuck, you know. Just a, as a kid, there was there was an age gap to the point where he was like doing other stuff. I wanted to follow along, but I was also just a pain in the ass, really, mm-hmm. you know. And and he was into some things that I was a little different than me. He was a lot more progressed than I was. And so I would just kind of tag along and, and a couple things in particular, you know, uh, he bought a bass guitar, this BC rich bass guitar. And, uh, at one point, uh, while I was in, in, in my gangster phases, uh, you know, couple, me and a couple of my friends went over to his house and stole it, went and pawned it. You know, he found out, uh, didn't go well. And then he didn't like that. He didn't like that very much. And then, you know, it wasn't uncommon for me to just fucking have sex with whoever, you know, anybody that anybody that was willing to have sex with me, basically I would have sex with. And one of his ex-girlfriends, uh, was buying alcohol for us. I was underage. And so, uh, I ended up sleeping with one of his girlfriends and, uh, ex-girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, I don't. They, they think, weren't together. At I the don't time. think they were dating at the time, but it was still really fresh and, and, and still not a very nice thing to do. No, and and he wasn't the only one. You know, there were friends that I slept with their moms, and you know, uh, sex was something that uh, I'll bring up in the next story too. But that's that's kind of where I drew my validation from mostly. Sure, you know, was was through that type of lifestyle. Well, uh, he. I mean, my brother, my brother was so different than I thought, you know, and he was really caring. And this, this girl ended up having a baby that died from SIDS and he went through that with her. And then I had sex with her and he found out about it. And, and it caused a real riff in our relationship for years and years and years. And, um, you know, I was able to, through this process, this time of Mm -hmm. getting sober, Mm -hmm. live long enough to prove my sincerity on this side of the table to the point where I was able to talk to him about that incident and discuss, you know, like, I'm really sorry that I was that way. And today, you know, our relationship today is such that uh, I'm able to, to talk to him about, like, why he's in the job that he's in, you know, what, you know, when he's not feeling happy, like, how do we get you out of this funk? What's going Mm. on with your body? You know, um, he, he's told me several times how proud he is and he listens to this show. I'm really glad that I get to talk to him about this because, uh, I was talking to my mom and dad the other night and, and my dad had mentioned that, uh, he's really grateful that we have the relationship that we have now, you know, and I am too, you know, I'm really grateful that I get to have a relationship with the only brother that I've ever had in a, in a, in a manner that is so, uh, healthy and growing and, and peaceful. And, you know, we lift each other up and like, we ask each other, you know, what books are you reading? What are you getting out of it? And it's just a really, it's a really healthy, loving relationship. And it wouldn't have been time's up. (laughs) (laughs) It, it wouldn't be that way had I not been so sick. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the payoff is so great. It's so big, you know, and 
as I as I walk through and I look at the amount of damage that could have been, you know, uh, nobody has to forgive me for the things that I've done mm-hmm. for my selfishness. Nobody, mm-hmm. you know, and it brings me around to, you know, that thing that I was talking about, uh, you know, debt, emotional debt is spiritual debt. And owing amends from past behavior is emotional debt. Sure. You know, um, when I first got sober and I first made this list, I would go back to my hometown and I would drive around and I was always just fucking, ah, I hated being there. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to go anywhere. I wanted to go to my parents' house and leave, go to my parents' house and leave because I wasn't at a, at, at a place where I was walking as a free man yet. And I wasn't walking as a free man yet because I owed one person an amends that I was scared to do. Mm. Okay. Now, my best friend, best friend in the world, we met in the sandbox. I've talked about him a few times. We grew up together. We, we, we did our 40th birthday together, a tag team. He does all my tattoos. Right. My tattoo artist. Um, we were joined at the hip, man, you know, and there are certain things that, that you just supposed to not do, you know, and, and being like the, the deviant that I am, the selfish person that I was back then, um, I was the best man at his wedding and with his wife, there was some indiscretion that he found out about, right? Like I betrayed him in his marriage. Now they ended up getting a divorce and, and going through that. Well, it created an, an amount of shame in me that was hard to describe, right? Because I knew that you don't do that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And we spent eight, nine years apart after a lifetime together. And uh, it was the weirdest fucking thing, man, because at the time I had Facebook. And I don't have Facebook anymore. Right. I'm on the gram, but I don't have Facebook. And I was working with my sponsor, and, and we were taking care of Avery's grandma as she was dying. And uh, we went to her grandma's house and came home, and there was a friend acceptance on Facebook from him, which I thought was really weird because I did not have the balls to ask him to be my friend on Facebook. So, like, divine hookup or whatever you want to call it, right? Like, something happened, and he accepted my friend request. Well, I didn't know what to do. So I went to my sponsor's house and I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, what do I do? I'm freaking out because I was so nervous to face this guy Mm -hmm. because of the betrayal and and the shame that went along with it. You know, this was a very emotional. This was the one amends that I was so afraid to do that it was still causing me dysfunction in every area of my life. Like I could not walk around free until I faced this man in the eyes. Mm -hmm. And so... I went home and I got, I got on Facebook and I asked him for his phone number and I gave him a phone call and needless to say, it was kind of strange at first, you know, how's it been? Been a while. Yeah, you're not, you're not discussing it right out the gate. It, you know, now he had gotten remarried. He had a little girl. We didn't have any kids yet. Me and Avery, um, he had had a, had a little girl. He's still living in my hometown and, and we set up a time to come over and, uh, uh, I went over to his house and he, he's showing me around the house and I'm like, you know, fuck, dude, it's been 10 years, you know, because of me, mm-hmm. 
you know, the way that I was. And he had started a tattoo shop and he had a successful tattoo shop and, and became a, a really good artist. And he, you know, I, we talked a little bit about it and he said, you know, you know that it's always been my dream to have a tattoo shop. And I got that. And it never felt like complete because I didn't have my best friend in the chair. And it, still to this day, right? Like, right. Like people love me, mm-hmm. you know, we're loved and we go through and hurt them trying to heal ourselves. And that's why we owe an amends, right? I'm sorry that I hurt you because I didn't know how to talk about myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Willie, Will, Will, you're all tears right now. Yeah, I fucking love it. I, I love what my life has become. Through making amends has changed everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. So... Have you ever, have you ever found yourself with an amend that uh, that you knew you shouldn't try and make? No. Yeah, I mean, I I feel I, I feel like, and again, like when we talk about this, like the reason the reason that we go through this process of making amends is is because we relationships mean a lot to us, right? And those people in our lives, we've got to stop. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, cut. Hold, hold for dogs. Um, Relationships? Yeah, I'm just trying to make sure that there's no dogs for a minute. Yeah. Ooh. Anyways. Um, Good shit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the relationships... <laughs> <laughs> Fuckers. Um, the the relationships that we have with people in our life are critical. Yeah, and and not just the people that we have, but it's important for us to have relationships to to connect with other people, to connect with individuals, and 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 have empathy and 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 know how we can positively contribute to somebody else's world Mm -hmm. right it's so important and that's and that's why we go through these these amends and and for me it was really important to to uh to know what to know that i'm doing everything i can to continue to grow and to have those relationships with people right so i mean i i don't know if you ever experienced this but have you ever had to make an amend for something you didn't remember? I don't remember because because <laughs> like I so my my best my best friend got married and at, at his wedding he had an open bar like his, his mm-hmm. family's Persian and so like it was very important that his dad like impress all of his Persian friends and so it was sort of like the event of the century right right and uh, and it was. Um, it it was amazing. At the time I knew I knew that alcohol and drugs were becoming a problem, but I had not yet really accepted the fact that I needed the help that I needed, mm-hmm. right? And so like I went into that wedding not really knowing if I was going to be drinking, but then I had like so I have 
two really, really good friends that I, I, I call both of them my best friend. And the other one doesn't drink. And he decided to drink. And so I was like, well, if, if he's drinking, I'm drinking, right? <laughs> when, yeah. in, when in Rome. Exactly. Or whatever. So... So uh, as the night progressed, it was, it, I mean, it was on, right? And, it, and you know, I definitely have um, very, very fond memories of that night. It was so much fun, and it was great to be there for my friend's wedding and to see him, like, venture into this new, you know, this new part of his life, a new chapter of his life. And, and, uh, and then I don't remember the last two, three hours of the night, you know. I, I wake up the next day. We're in the hotel room. I don't remember getting there. I don't remember, you know, I blacked out. Obviously, right. I blacked out, um, and uh, which was not uncommon for me, but I felt like that this was the most public event I'd ever been to that I, I didn't remember the last couple hours. And I, I didn't know what kind of state of mind I was in or, like, who who I was interacting with or who, like what, what I could have done in that time. And that's a scary feeling like to, to really just not know what, what, what you did the night before, right. you know? Um, and, and our war stories today, like she talks about that a little bit and we'll get into that here in a second. But, um, but, you know, come to find out one of the bridesmaids who I knew very, very well, like she was, uh, a you know, sort of a group friend, you know, and she was single and I was single at the time. And, and, you know, like come to find out, I, I'd done some inappropriate stuff with her. I, I said some inappropriate things and I was probably being a little bit more grabby and a little bit more physical than I typically would be, you know, right. in, in my normal self. And I, of course I didn't remember it. And, um, but I felt horrible. I just immediately was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe, I can't believe that that would happen or that, that, you know, like that I would find myself in a position where I would think that that was okay. And, and there was a definitely a time in my life where I feel like some of that behavior, I always just chalked up to like, well, I was drunk. Like I, right. I was drunk. She was drunk. It was a party. Like, what do you want to do? Like, you know, like, what do you do? But in this particular instance, I just... I felt awful. And I woke up that next day and it wasn't like, damn, last night was a lot of fun. Like the minute I woke up and I couldn't remember anything from the night before, I was afraid. And and at this point, like this was sort of one of the turning events in my own recovery where I knew that it was a problem now. Like, wait a minute, like I don't remember last night. Like that's like what the hell's going on, you know? And uh it it took me a long time, like, you know, years down the road. Like, I had told my friend, like, hey, man, will, will you please just l apologize for me? Say something to her. Like, if I don't see her, like, just tell her, you know, I'm so sorry and whatever. And and uh, anyways, I'd still thought about it, like, quite a bit, you know. And this last time I went through my steps, I put it down on my list. Like, do do I need to make this amends to this, to this, to this woman, you know? And... You know, when I mentioned it to my sponsor, I said, I, I, I don't know what to do here because, you know, when, when we talk about making amends, we talk specifically about not making amends to people whom it may harm, mm -hmm. right? And, and really not knowing if, like, me coming into that situation and apologizing to her this far down the road especially was, was 
going to be bad or good was, right. was really hard to determine. And I knew it was something that I felt like I had to do. But whether or not it was appropriate was a completely different question. And so, like, in talking to my sponsor, he was like, you know, I, he's like, to be honest with you, like, I'm not sure. Like, I've always been under the impression that if you feel like you should, then you should, you know. Um, he's like, but I'm not sure. Like, let's, let's have you talk to some other alcoholics. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I reached out to five other alcoholics and presented them with the situation. And it was funny because it was like 50, 50, you know, like I really had some that were like, I don't know if you need to do that. Like, I think, you know, just be, be a, a living example of how a man should act with a woman and, 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 and do that, you know, which makes sense to me, you know, like obviously, but then I had some that were like, you know, maybe if you feel like you need to do it, then you should do it. Yeah. And it was like, boy, like, this is a tricky, this is a tricky situation, <laughs> yeah. right? And so ultimately I opted not to do it after conferring with my friend, like saying, do you think she's in a position where she'll hear this or where it will be detrimental or, or what, what do you personally think about it? You know? And, and he felt like it was just not a good idea, you know, for me to do that. And he didn't necessarily feel like there was any bad blood, but he did feel like, you know, we're both so far down the road at this point that to do so would be yeah, inappropriate almost, you know. And so, I mean, I, I wish that amends were always so cut and dry. Right. And, and usually I would say that they probably are. But in, in my case, at least, you know, um, that's one situation where where it wasn't so cut and dry. And, like, to tell that story is... It was it was a, a difficult thing for me to even own, you know, to sure. to admit out loud that that this had happened and that it had occurred and and again like I don't remember any of it so I don't even know exactly what happened, you know, but I know that it was inappropriate and that you know like it shouldn't have happened. Right. That's all I know and that's enough. Sure. Know? But I think that. Um, even coming to a place where I was willing to make the events, willingness right is still there's still growth that comes from it even yes. though I didn't get to execute on that right me going through that process being willing taking the action to talk to other people about it talking with them about it exactly what the problem was and telling that part of my story is still progress it's still mm -hmm. growth and then not going back to that behavior exactly right? like fucking right. no way in hell right am i going back to that behavior yeah, yeah absolutely like it it's uh it's it's i mean it's it, same thing with you i mean you talked about you know like some of the stuff that you did in the past and, and the people that you slept with and and the, and and having to prove to your brother that this is not the person that you right. are anymore. And that's all I can do is, is I, I have a number of different situations like that with individuals, girls, especially not, not that I was always grabbing or touching or whatever, but I was completely inappropriate and crass and vulgar. And sure. And, and these are all things that, you know, I've really had to own and say, you know what? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. Right. You know, 
Yeah, I seen a I seen a guy post on on Mighty Networks the other day that said, you know, if you knew me five years ago, if you knew me ten years ago, if you knew me fifteen years ago, you probably don't need to act like you know me now because I'm not the same person that sure. I was back then. I like that. You know, and and we're not. Mm-hmm. You know, through this process, through admitting that we have a problem asking for help, walking through the steps, walking through some guidance, getting a mentor, getting a a coach, getting a sponsor, you know, being willing to do this stuff, you know, making the amends list and becoming willing to make amends to them all, becoming willing to do that stuff, doing the, doing the living amends, not going back to that behavior, regardless of temptation or, or thought or, or, you know, the, the shame that goes along with it or the cowardice-ness, you know, having the courage to be willing to do that thing and then executing those things. You are not the same person you were when you started this process. There's no way you can be, mm-hmm. right? And what it comes down to, the painful, the painful truth of it is, is that I owe amends because I am loved and I hurt the people that love me through my behavior. I disappointed them because I did things they did not expect of me. And that's painful for people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I have people in my life that do things that I don't expect and don't understand. And it's har- it, it hurts me. It's disappointing, right? Now, uh, my coach always says, surely it's better to forgive and remember than to forgive and forget, right? Never forget where I came from. Because if I forget where I came from, I have a greater chance of going back to that. I hope that I never forget the way that I hurt people Mm -hmm. made me feel. Mm -hmm. Because if I can live in that empathy, if I can, if I can remember what $96,000 in unnecessary debt feels like, if I can remember what unnecessarily killing another animal feels like, if I can remember what it feels like to look my brother or my best friend in the eye and have to apologize for uh, indiscretion and unnecessary behavior and selfishness and self-centeredness. If I can remember the way that those things made me feel and have empathy for the way that it would make me feel if it was on the other shoe, Mm -hmm. then I have a far greater chance of not going back to that. And if I don't go back to that, then I am growing forward, not going backwards, you know? And I love that about this process. It's not always easy and it's certainly not fun. No, but it is always worth it. Right. You know, just like much we talk about and, and a lot of the things that we do, <laughs> it's always worth it, but it's not necessarily yeah. easy. You know, step, step nine is really the final step in Alcoholics Anonymous before the maintenance steps. You know, after, after step nine in AA, it's repeating the first nine over again and then showing someone else how you did it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this this is the fucking pinnacle of recovery and and wellness. Looking the world in the eye and saying I was wrong, and I'm willing to fix it. Oof. Yeah, we are not we are not that person anymore. No, by no means. You know, and I think you know that that's a great segue into the amazing story that we have, who is definitely not the person that she was when she started her journey. Yeah. You know, Abby, Abby's road there. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, she handle. was. Uh, she she was great, man. Like yeah, she she hops into her closet <laughs> for this particular interview, which which it's actually an old audio trick. Like I I do that when I'm recording audio for certain things. I hop in the closet because it's the quiet place to go, man. Yeah. So she's she's smarter than she may know. I don't know, yeah. but uh, cool. But yeah, man, she uh, she she's. She, she struggled with a lot, you know? Yeah, she She's, came up in it. Like, like she lived in addiction, you know, her mom. Sounds like she was a handful, mm-hmm. you know, going in and out of treatment, losing the house. Yeah. And then, you know, it, while, she, you know, she was drinking the night before. And then, you know, moving into her own addiction. Right. Her own alcoholism, you know, drinking on the job, you know, all the all the common things, you know, that that go along with trying to take something from out there mm-hmm. and put it in here. And, and she tells a story that, you know, about being a blackout drinker and having right. to make amends for exactly. shit that she did when she was drinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she, you know, she, uh, food was a part of her story. Yeah. Like it sort of goes hand in hand, you know, like I, I find that to be true. And the more I think about it, you know, the more I think she said when she wasn't drinking, she was stuffing her face, yeah. you know, and it's like, I definitely had, like, when I wasn't using pills, I was drinking my ass off. When I wasn't drinking my ass off, I was, you know, stuff on my face. Like, yeah. it was always something. It was always some sort of external something that I'm trying to fill this internal void with, you know? Yeah. So, it's, she's great. She's got this online community that that, mm-hmm. that really is, 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 is helping her to become the person that she's sort of always wanted to yeah, and be. Her, her Instagram is great. I, lo- yeah. I love following her on Instagram. Like I really enjoy her page and you can find her. I think, I think she mentions it, but it's Abby's road there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's really good, you know? So, but we'll let her tell your sto- her story. And without further ado, here is Abby's war story. Hi friends, um, my name is Abby. Uh, my Instagram handle is Abby's Road There, and I am an alcoholic. Um, I have been in recovery now for about fourteen months, um, and it's been the absolute best decision of my life. I couldn't, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity um, with you guys to to share, which I'm super excited about, um, because you never know who it might help. So, um, it all kind of started when I started drinking when I was about 15. Um, I'm 27 now, but I started drinking when I was about 15, you know, just like a normal girl does, you know, with her friends taking vodka off the top shelf at her friends and filling it back in with water. I was, I was that person. Um, which her parents definitely knew, by the way, if, if anyone was wondering, they did. Um, but you know, little bits here and then my, my parents didn't drink. So there was no alcohol in the home with me. Um, but my mother did struggle with addiction. So she, um, was addicted to pain medication and she went to rehab a bunch, uh, with me growing up. So I, I was kind of used to, um, being distant, I guess my mom was kind of distant from me. So I, I guess I took it upon myself to, to want to be around others. Um, 
And so I kind of confided in my friends with alcohol. We, we enjoyed doing that with each other. Um, when I was 18, we actually lost my, my home growing up, like my, my house I grew up in, um, because my mom had taken the money and used it elsewhere. Um, where I would, you know, I woke up one day and people were throwing shit, our shit out of the windows, um, to get us out. And I didn't even know what was happening. And me and my friend had spent the whole night drinking out in a parking lot with friends. Um, so that was rough. I didn't have anywhere to go. I, I stayed with friends. I, I, um, couch surfed and drank a lot. Um, I drank a lot and, and I feel like that's where I got more of an emotional connection to alcohol. Um, I definitely used it to fill a void, to push back emotions that I was feeling. I was upset. I was hurt. Um, and, and I blamed my mom. I blamed her for being an addict and I blamed her for doing this to me, but I didn't realize obviously, um, 18, 19 years old at this point that I was starting to create those same addictive habits. Um, so 22, you know, went to college, drank in the parking lot before I'd even go into, into classes. Um, I definitely made it as a crutch for me. I, (laughs) I laugh, but it's just because I'm, I haven't thought about these things in a while, like actual individual stories. But I remember working at, um, the cheesecake factory. I was working at cheesecake factory in the bakery horrible idea being around cheesecake all day long but um I would go and sit in my car on break and just down fits of hot whiskey just just to do so just to make it through a shift or I don't I don't know what my logic was in it but I I was getting to this point where I I needed it all the time I needed it to feel, I wouldn't say functional, but emotionally and just, I I don't even know if it was physical. It was just, I needed it. I wanted it. It was my crutch. It made me feel good. It made me feel like I was positive and outgoing. And, and of course, socially, I definitely used it as that, but even just alone, I was using it as this kind of, you need it or else you're just going to be sad and be bored. Um, So doing college like that and drinking in my car and doing work and trying to stuff things in my mouth so I wouldn't, they couldn't smell the alcohol, which I know they could. I know people beside me could, but, um, I would just play it off. Like it was nothing like, Oh, I'm just 22, 23. And I'm just drinking like a normal person when I wasn't realizing how much of a problem that it was. Um, so yeah, all of that, um, I knew I had a problem. I think the first time I realized that it was affecting not just me, but it was affecting the people around me, my family, my friends, um, was about 23, no, 22. I was 22 and, um, I had wrote a big long letter to myself. I, I remember this, I was sitting in the parking lot of my school 
and I was so over feeling like I had to have alcohol to make me feel better and to function, but I couldn't stop. Like I couldn't stop drinking my boyfriend at the time. And I would drink whiskey all the time. And it's not like he was pressuring me or anything. And, and he didn't know that I was drinking like this because I would never tell anyone that I was doing this. No one knew, um, that I was drinking alone. Um, but I wrote this big letter to myself and it was just like, please, it was basically begging myself, just begging me to just seek some sort of help to just do something about it because I knew it wasn't okay. Um, I was letting inhibitions out the window. I wasn't focused on school. I, I mean, I was drinking fists in my car by myself in a 10 minute span. I mean, it was that bad. So I, um, wrote this big long letter to myself and I still have it. Um, I know if I read it, I'd just fall. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was at me at 22 and, um, I, I couldn't stop. So I didn't reach out. I didn't tell anyone because I, I knew if I had told my friends or my family that I was struggling with this, that they would not let me drink around them or they wouldn't invite me to places because I wasn't drinking. So I kind of kept it to myself so I could still have this social life and still do all the things I wanted to do, even though it was completely detrimental to my physical, emotional, mental health, my spiritual health completely. Um, starting at about 23. So about the same time, 23, 24, I was blacking out every single time I drank to the point where I Googled why I was blacking out so much. I thought something was actually wrong with my brain. I thought something was happening to me. Um, not related to alcohol. I just was like, why am I blacking out when I drink every single time? And, um, my boyfriend now, he's my friend, he's been a friend of mine for a very long time. And he said, it's because of how much you're drinking. And I'm like, no, like we drink the same amount. Like that's not, and he's like, no, that only makes sense to, for it to be how much you're drinking. But he wasn't knowing that I was drinking alone by myself doing all these things. So from 23, 24 till I was 26, when I stopped drinking, I was blacking out almost every single time I drank to the point where I remember one time I woke up, I woke up and I said, and I turned to him and I said, I remember everything last night. I remember everything. And I was so excited. I was so proud of myself. Like I can drink and not black out. It's possible. I just have to get there instead of looking at the underlying problem of the whole situation I was in. I was drinking to excess that I was blacking out and I wasn't the type to black out by falling asleep. I would black out and stay. I would stay up, you know, I just wouldn't remember things. Um, and so I'd have to wake up every single day and wonder who I had to apologize to. Um, I used to be a fun drunk, fun life of the party or so I thought I was, but I was just mean. I was so mean. I, I, there was so much inside of me that I just kept in. And when I drank, I think it just all barreled out and I was such a, it was, it was a different person, you know, 
and of course, when you drink, you're a different person. Obviously, that's not the you you want to be. Um, but I had to wake up and wonder who to apologize to every single day. Um, get in my phone, make sure that everything was okay. Um, worry about my shakes. None, nonetheless, you know, I'd wake up and start drinking again, or you know, I'd start a bender and with that started to come anxiety that I, I had never experienced it. I didn't know what it was. Um, and what some people like to call hangxiety, it's anxiety as a hangover. So you're, you're dehydrated. You're already going, your body's already going through all these things, um, physically, but mentally your body is also going through these things. So I was having a lot of this hangxiety and man, it was bad. I mean, when I was about yeah 25, it started where I'd lay in bed for four days straight afterwards, not because I was hungover, but because I was so nervous about things I had done or things I had said. And sometimes there would be nothing that I, that I had done, but I was just so guilty all the time. Um, so I started writing out, um, when I drank, when I blacked out, I had a, I had a calendar and I'd write everything down, how long I had anxiety for afterwards and everything. But the funny thing is, is I kept drinking. I literally kept drinking. It blows my mind when I think about it because I spent years and years and years doing this. Um, but it was just hard for me to, to tell anyone because I didn't want to admit that I had this problem with a substance everybody else is okay with. All my friends are, they can have two drinks and stop that. That's not the case for me. So I definitely struggled with that for a long time. And, you know, through this, throughout this whole thing, and I know um, they talk about this on the podcast too, I was using alcohol and food as like a crutch. So alcohol came hand in hand with food for me. Um, if I wasn't drinking, I was stuffing my face with copious amounts of food um, that I didn't need. I had not been big all my life. So once I started drinking the pounds add on, of course they do, but it was to an excess where I was about 40 pounds overweight. I was uncomfortable with myself. I was uncomfortable with the way I looked. I was like they say, or have said on podcast episodes before I was a self mutilator point blank period. I, called myself every name of the book. I did self-harm. I was so in this pit of just sad, but I, but I didn't get myself out of it. So I was done. I, I was so done. The last time I drank, one of the last times I drank, um, I had gone to the mountains with some friends and I was driving drunk and I mean, we're on mountain roads. I live in East Tennessee, so I was in the mountains and I'm belligerent and they tried to drive and I lost it. You know, it was my car and I, and I lost it and I kicked him out of the car on the side of the road with no cell service and drove off by myself, completely blackout. I don't remember any of this. They, they had to tell me the, the next day, but, um, I finally went back and got him. I was screaming. I was screaming at them, bloody murder, just like horrible things. And when I 
got in the car, finally, I let them drive me home. I had passed out in the car. And when I woke up, I dropped them off and I went to the bar and I kept drinking. And, um, I woke up the next morning and I, I said, I I can't do this anymore. I almost killed myself. I almost killed my friends. Um, this is not who I want to be. It's not what I want. Um, and that was it. That was it. I had so many times where I tried to stop drinking and I, and I would, I think the longest I had gone before that was about 40 days and I felt so good. And I remember writing it down. Like, I feel so good. Like I love this feeling, but I had FOMO. I had the fear of missing out with drinking. And, um, this was just, it was a stopping point. I was 26 and I said, I can't be this person anymore. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep putting my friends' lives in danger. I can't keep ruining relationships. I deserve to have a better relationship with myself. I deserve to have a life that doesn't, isn't controlled by fits of hot whiskey. And so I stopped drinking and I reached out. I went to my first AA meeting. I had a friend that um, had been to NA meetings before. He um, was uh, been addict and, and he went with me. I was scared to death, but I did it. I felt so good afterwards. I had so many people come up to me. It was, I had never been around other people that knew what I was going through. I had never heard other people tell stories of things that I was going through. And it just blew my mind. I was like, oh, there are people out there like this. Like, I guess I could have reached out beforehand, but I mean, you know, when you know, and for me, I knew. So I went to AA my first 30 days. I got my 30 day chip, which you guys have talked about. I felt like I was on top of the world. I felt so like I was there. And, um, of course, you know, you have your highs and your lows, you get sad. It's okay. This was the first time in my life I'd ever felt emotions. This is the first time in my life I'd ever felt anxiety without alcohol covering it for me ever in my life. I had never felt it unsober. Um, so that was interesting. I felt sadness. I felt, you know, guilt and, and I had this just overwhelming gratitude for myself for doing this for myself. I was so proud. Um, I found an amazing online community on Instagram. Um, I stopped going to AA after about day 35 or so. Um, I had, it just, it wasn't my thing. I I wasn't in the right one, but I had found a, um, a group online of just sober people that knew what I was going through. So I just added like 500 of them and I, and I reached out and I talked and now I have these people I can reach out to that understand, like you guys talk about, they talk about sponsors and, um, coaches and stuff. And I, I was finding this in these people. And so it made living a life without alcohol that much easier to know that these people are doing it. I can do it. There's positivity in it. Like you can, you can do it. And as cliche as it sounds one day at a time, but it's so true. It's just one moment at a time, whether it's, you know, a problem with whatever problem that you're going through, you know, alcohol, drugs, which alcohol is a drug, but you know, food, if you just take it one moment at a time and just say for yourself right now in this moment, what can you do to make yourself 
feel better, do better, be better. What do I want for myself in this moment? And if that's no alcohol for you, then listen to yourself and take, take that time. And, and I feel like it's just the fact of being honest with yourself first, acknowledging that you have a problem and then reaching out, reach out to somebody else that knows what you're going through because keeping that shit in, not fun. Keeping that shit in causes problems. Um, and, and for me, at least it was, it was a destructive pattern. So, um, I, I'm 14 months now, like I said, um, my sobriety date is March 25th, 2019. Um, another thing, and I'll try to hit this quick, but quarantine has definitely been an interesting situation to go through without alcohol. Um, I'm very blessed to have a supportive, um, boyfriend and supportive family and friends, um, but, but that, that did take a toll. Um, almost 50 days ago, I um, relapsed. I hate that word, but I drank. And it wasn't just to have a couple drinks or try something. It was my boyfriend passed out and I stayed up till 5 a.m. drinking whiskey by myself on the back porch. Just, just drinking to drink, just drinking to feel it. Um, I think the pressures of a lot of what's happening right now kind of got to me. Um, but I woke up the next morning with my first hangover in almost 390 days. I was, um, sober and realized that that it's just not what I want ever again. And it, I felt like I needed that time to sit and say, okay, I went back in it and it's not for me. I can't be, I can't let myself go back and be that person again, because what I have now is. I honestly wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for a single thing. No amount of money in the world could give me this feeling of freedom that I have now because I don't have alcohol in my life. So <sighs> that's a lot. I haven't thought about a lot of this in a really long time. So, um, but I never thought that I could live my life without alcohol, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it and I've never been more happy. So if you feel like you're ever in this spot of just, you can't come back from it, you can, you can come back from it. I've had plenty of those days, plenty of those nights, plenty of those weeks. Um, just know that you, you're worth more than, than hot whiskey in a car outside a cheesecake factory and then going home and binging on cheesecake, by the way. Because, of course, why Why not? Binge on liquor, binge on food. It was all kind of the same for me. But, you know, just know that there's there's an upside. You see these guys do it. And so, yeah, that's about it. But thanks for listening. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I always say boom. 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 It's like a drop the mic sort of thing. Yeah. It's like drop the mic and step away. Boom. I get so much from, from the stories that people send us, you know, I'm so grateful that we have them. I'm so grateful that we were able to get them. I'm always amazed at how much I can identify. And what, what I, what I really liked about her story is like on that note is she talked about like when she first went to an AA meeting and how she, she's like, I didn't know that there were people like this. Yeah. I didn't know that there were like all these people. And it's like, I, I can, I can kind of relate with that. You know, yeah. like I think I, I was definitely like 
you are not like me when I first got yeah. into the rooms. Like, I'm definitely not that bad, yada, yada, yada. But eventually, it got to a place where I was like, who who, who knew that all these people felt the same way I did? Yeah. You know? And, and you know, the online community thing, like, like there's so many great people. My, my Badass Recovery, my Sober Compass, you know, Abby, Abby's Road there, like, um, uh, sobriety is beautiful. Like the, there's so many and, and like I come from, I come from a line of alcoholics, anonymous meetings, narcotics, right. anonymous meetings right, right. who have been around since the thirties. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't want people to get discouraged or discredit this online thing because of course it's new, right? right? It, of course it's, it's unfamiliar. It's untested for, for the ages. Right. But I, from what I'm gathering is that like from AOL, like, <laughs> like, like there's been online meetings since the internet. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, online AA meetings, and, online 12 step meetings. And, and so I don't know how long that is. What? Six years since the internet's been out or five or six years. I'm pretty the, sure it's more like <laughs> 10, 20, but, but, fine. but you know, uh, I know a lot of people in, in old school recovery will, be like, oh, this on the blah blah blah. Like, like there's always gonna be some friction with anything new, right? But I encourage this new online uh, social media network because that's the society we're in. And I say, you fucking, yeah. you fucking go, people. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm getting a lot out of it too, and I come from traditional AA. Right, right, you right. know, so. Kudos to, to not use it as a tool would seem foolish. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like I mean, these guys. Uh, you know, you you mentioned a lot of them, and 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 we've met so many through we've done it through, all through through this show, and it's like, hey man, like when when I talk about my story and they talk about their story, it seems like we're both on the same page. <laughs> yeah. So why am I going to discredit anything that they're saying? Yeah. You know, like yeah. the, these people are are amazing yeah yeah and, she, and and abby was one of them you know she talked about like drinking on the job and it really just took me back and i i i, I guess that's why we like these war stories right is because she people can say things and it just takes me right back to this certain place in my own recovery and yeah. my own story where i remember doing the same thing and you and i talked before before the show about how she she kept referring to hot whiskey yeah and you're like what is that what's hot whiskey and i'm like Dude, it's like whiskey that's been under your car seat because you keep it in your car. Like, I totally know what she's talking about because I did the same thing, you know, like, and, and, and that's just the thing is like, is, is, you know, through those small little things in her story that relate to those small little things in my story, I get to look at her and go, you and I are the same. Yeah. Which means that what's working for you might work for me. Let's talk about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. That's why we're here today. Yeah. Great shit. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much, Abby. Thank you, Abby. I can't wait to keep watching your story. Yeah. It's great. So, you know, if I, if I could sum it up, you know, what we talked about this is that any type of debt is spiritual debt, you know, making amends frees you. Right. From the spiritual debt that you've put yourself in. And the reason that I owe an amends 
is because I am loved and I've let people down through my behavior. And so grab a process, grab a person, you know, don't be afraid to bounce it off of somebody. Make sure what you're doing is, is save the right thing. Think it through like you did with, with the amends that you decided to hold off on. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, if you take responsibility for your action and you bring it to the people in a life or death situation, this is going to save me or kill me or whatever, you know, uh, it's well received. All of my amends have been well received and I have benefited tenfold from it. So great episode. I can't yeah. believe I cried, but I always cry when I tell that story because I love the people in my life so much. So anyway. People love seeing a big a big galoot <laughs> like you tearing yeah. up. So thanks for the shatter, thanks, man. Shattering all those those stereotypes. Yeah. Me? Yeah, all that stuff. So Thanks good, to you, Willie. Good good shit, man. Thanks. thanks for being here for me today. You're welcome. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. And with that, we will see you on the other side. Remember you are worth the work.